Hello, and welcome to another episode of First Talk Compliance, where we dive deep into the pressing issues shaping the healthcare industry. I'm your host, Grace Walsh, and today we're focusing on defensible pricing strategies for hospitals. In our current healthcare climate, it's more crucial than ever to maintain defensible and rational healthcare pricing while still remaining competitive and optimizing revenue. It's a tricky balance to strike. Luckily, I'll soon be joined by two experts in this area to shed light on how hospitals can strengthen and prioritize their strategic pricing initiatives, while at the same time boosting their competitive advantage. My guests today are Govi Goyal, President of Panacea's Financial Services Division, and Brian Prokop, Senior Vice President of Financial Consulting Services at Panacea. Govi and Brian have years of experience in helping hospitals develop and implement strategic pricing practices. From large healthcare systems to small community hospitals, they work tirelessly with their clients so that everyone from providers to patients can benefit from strong, defensible pricing strategies. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi, Brian. Hi, Govi. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let's kick this off with a question about the value of strategic pricing. How does Panacea's strategic pricing engagement help hospitals develop pricing strategies that are not only defensible, but also based on a careful analysis of cost and or market data? Yeah, absolutely. I can jump in here. So I think it's important to just talk about, you know, now more than ever, how how important uh, defensible pricing really is. Uh, patients are getting more and more knowledgeable. Uh, they're they're shopping around. They're they're questioning things that look off to them. I would say consumerism is really at a at an all time high. And if you think about it, that price transparency is not going away. Um, you know, it's a requirement that is only expanding. Uh, both the hospitals and payers have to conform to. There's the No Surprises Act, where you have every self patient is required to uh, get a good faith estimate. So there's a ton of exposure out there to 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 hospitals or providers prices where it's even more important now to be able to uh, be defensible and you know it's not even it's not even just for the self-pay population um, if you think about it even if you have insurance likely you have a deductible and there's a lot of uh, folks out there with high deductible health plans so price matters you know and the higher the price the higher likelihood that as a patient, you're going to have to pay more. Um, and again, even if you have insurance, there's still a lot of payers out there paying on a percent of charge. So the the chances are that patient is going to be impacted. They're going to they're going to pay more whether they're self pay or insured because of that higher higher price, the higher negotiated rate. Um, and Medicaid hasn't expanded yet to to all 50 um, to stay. So it, there's still there's still that donut hole. Um, and there's still that significant uh, population. Um, the other piece is defining defensible prices. A hospital needs to explain how they arrived at, at their pricing. You know, is it is it based on cost? If so, how much? Is it three times, four times cost? Is pricing based on Medicare payment or reimbursement? Are you two times, three times APC? Uh, is it based on market data? If it is based on market data, then how much higher or lower than the market should it be? And what's considered the market? All of these 
are applicable when we're trying to get to defensible pricing. Again, you have to be able to explain. Um, so here at Panacea, you know, we we collaborate with our clients and we see we gain to understand what their current pricing philosophy is, and we work with them to 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 create a roadmap for their for their future price philosophies so that they so they can get to defensible pricing. Um, but I think you know Brian Brian could definitely share more uh, and draw upon his experience. And sometimes it is it is a little difficult uh, to get to to get to you know good cost data or even or even good market data. But I'll I'll, I'll defer to Brian to, to talk more about that. All right, thanks, Govi. Um, a little bit more about our uh, how Panacea treats hospital pricing is really around um, looking at market data, looking at cost data. Taking a look at those Medicare rates, existing payer contract terms, and really looking at what components of those contracts are going to impact price changes and where do you stand in the market? And how can we align you closer to the market and not have a huge impact on your net revenue there, not negatively impact that net revenue uh, is what we look at when we're looking at developing a defensible pricing strategy. Yeah, so we have a uh, an audit trail basically that will tell you for for every single line item you know essentially what 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 that methodology uh, may be and that's that can become really helpful if, if at any time the hospitals kind of put that awkward position where they need to defend their prices i know the term transparency came up in in that response and this is a concept that's likely going to surface a few times throughout our conversation today um, including next question. So in the context of hospital pricing, how does Panacea's approach establish clear and documented rationale behind pricing decisions? And why is this transparency crucial for both internal understanding and external communication? So yeah, the the key word there, or I, I picked up on two key words you mentioned. One is decisions and the other is communication. You know, Brian and I can tell you there's there's a lot of decisions that need to be made in strategic pricing, you know, especially before any of the fun, you know, financial modeling can occur. I think most important, you need we need we need good alignment uh, in in what the scope and approach will be. So, for example, we talk about the scope. Uh, some of the key decisions that we made is what what service lines do you want to focus on? Are you are you trying to also in you know in addition to your ancillary areas, surgical, cardiology, radiology? Are you also including pharmacy and supplies? Uh, those can you know those can take on a own project of their own. Uh, do you also want to do professional in addition to hospital pricing? Uh, so we have to be careful about not you know try to bite off more than we can chew, uh, and you also have to consider your your payer caps so you may not even if you want to focus on all these different areas you may not have enough revenue to play around with because you're restricted uh, pay, uh certain payers may have um, a percentage cap maybe cigna says two percent and blue cross is three percent you can't increase your gross revenue higher than those those caps so you have some restrictions to consider um, but a lot of these decisions need to be made at at a high level, uh, at a leadership level, for clients, especially when we talk about what we want to include uh, in the scope. So there's tremendous communication that needs to happen uh, across different levels. Panacea, we can make some recommendations. We can look at the market analysis. 
We can look at contribution factors, uh, which we'll talk about a little bit more. We talk about the modeling, but that allows us to basically see where, where you get the most bang for your buck. Um, and we can also see where you have the most risk, where you're, you're priced a little too high or, or too low compared to the market. Um, you know, another another decision uh, that um, particularly we, we work with our clients is when, when we do that market analysis, we have to determine uh, and, and work with our clients to, to figure out what peers, what peers do we want to pick to be able to do our comparisons with and how, what do you consider uh, a peer? So um, I think Brian can share some some thoughts there on when he's working with the clients to kind of help them you know, kind of pick that 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 solid peer group. All right. So for for clients in selecting their peer groups, some of the stuff I typically would go over with them is understanding um, the size of the provider. Who do they deem to be their most um, ideal competitors, or who are they most in competition with in their mm -hmm. area? Um, also, when we're looking at this, you know, when we look at something like this, we may start out and look at it from a mile radius perspective, but there may be some providers that we don't want to include in that selection. Um, because if you're a large example, is if you're a large short-term care hospital, probably don't want to be compared to a critical access hospital if they're within the mile radius you're searching there. Um, when we're looking at peer data, um, one of the questions that does come up from providers is, you know, what should I utilize? Should it be a weighted average or should it be a percentile? And here at Panacea, one of the things we lean towards is trying to push that provider to utilizing the weighted average versus a percentile. And one of the key pieces to why we do that is if you're using a percentile, you're not taking into account the volume of a service that that provider is performing. Whereas if you're using a weighted average of that, you're taking into which are the big players for this service. Um, if you're using a percentile, there may be a provider in that percentile base that maybe only has one unit of that service. They've only done one. So it's not going to necessarily make sense to use a percentile and it may you know, put you in a worse position in the market than you really mm -hmm. are in comparison to the main competitors out there. Yeah, that's that's well said, Brian. And, you know, some of the other decisions that um, are, are, I would say, maybe a little bit easier for our clients because they're going to think about it is, are there certain items in your in your charge master that you want to freeze for whatever reason? You want they need to remain untouched uh, and we have to make sure we don't unintentionally uh, restructure those prices. Or there could be other items where there's a relationship. Uh, for example, generally speaking, services that have even the services that can be done all throughout the house. They can be done in different cost centers, the emergency, nursing stations, uh, respiratory. They have the same Hicks-Fix code. So we generally align them with the same price, but hey, if it's done in the ED, our costs are higher. So we want the prices to be higher in there, even though it's the same service. So we have, so clients may have a relationship where they say, well, the price needs to be 1.5 times higher in the ED. Or maybe there's a dependency between professional and hospital pricing where um, the, the combined price has to, 
uh, align with 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 other services, or there has to be the professional prices should be a percentage of the hospital prices, or there's multiple facilities in the organization, and there has to be a relationship there. So there's there's a lot of dependencies and decisions that we typically walk through um, to make sure that we incorporate them uh, in, in into the model. Going back to the um, the communication piece too, every everyone involved, including even including the like the C, so the CDM team may may not be responsible for the strategic pricing, but they are responsible for adding new services to the CDM. So they they need to know too um, what kind of uh, strategies put into place, what's the methodology, so that when they're adding new services to the CDM, for example, that they set the prices accordingly and it's aligned with the overall strategy. Okay, got it. That's actually a great lead into our next question, which is going to focus on the charge master. Could you elaborate on how Panacea ensures that Chargemaster or CDM prices are not only defensible, but also optimized to yield the optimum net revenue for hospitals? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's basically two main goals that we're seeking to accomplish with strategic pricing. One is being defensible, which we talked, uh, we've been talking about in great detail here. And that has to all to, has all to do with just being able to explain how you arrive at your prices, being market sensitive, and so forth. Uh, but the other piece which which we haven't touched upon uh, yet is is the net revenue uh, aspect. Um, and working with hospitals and health systems and providers to make sure that we meet their financial goals uh, and not only get them more in line with the market, uh, but also um, get optimize their net revenue so it's greater than what they would have gotten if they just didn't across the board uh, but it's important to know that these aren't these aren't competing goals you can decrease your your overall peer position and let's hypothetically say you're you know five ten percent above the market and you want to bring that down a couple percentages you can decrease that but still um still have still be able to get a net revenue increase that's possibly greater than just doing it across the board. Um, that's very difficult to do if you don't have a really sophisticated modeling tool. Uh, you have to have a modeling tool that's able to handle many, many objectives, uh, different parameters, uh, constraints. Uh, it's not something that you can simply do uh, in Excel or, 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 or Access. Uh, and so, you know, at Panacea, um, we continually evolve our, our modeling capabilities, which is able to support a more accurate gross and net revenue uh, calculation from any price changes and be able to support these multiple objectives, both defensible and, and net revenue uh, goals, uh, with the same time being mindful of any constraints like, like, like payer caps. Um, but just to kind of deep dive here a little bit on, on some of the, the modeling capabilities here that are I think are important um, getting getting to accurate modeling uh, is critical uh, because uh, oftentimes payers will scrutinize and do an audit, and you have to be able to show the payers your analysis to support your price increases um, in in event that an audit does does happen. Um, so what so one of the unique things we do is we will take the usage data uh, and we'll take it at the payer plan level but also the patient class level. So for example, 
if a uh, if a typical hospital we're working with had does a thousand EKGs in a year, uh, we need to see the breakdown. So we'll see the breakdown. So what percent of those are Blue Cross Blue Shield HMO outpatient? What percent are Cigna, PPO, ED, or inpatient, and and so forth? Because each each of those different categories, depending on the patient class or the payer, the plan, it could have a different reimbursement rate, different payer, uh, percent charge paying. So to get to that granular level and incorporate that can really optimize your, your net revenue calculations. I'm just kind of hitting the, 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 the surface there. Um, I'll put Brian on the spot here a little bit. Do you, Brian, do you want to talk uh, a little bit more about uh, the modeling process, uh, whether you know you, you want to talk about maybe some of the other reports, uh, and also maybe we, we haven't talked about stop loss, uh, lesser offs. That might be good to to. to yeah, I can to. elaborate on that, Govi. So just some of the other stuff in relations to modeling that we have the capabilities of doing is not only, you know, using market data, using Medicare rates, using commercial contract rates. Um, in developing that rational defendable pricing strategy, it allows us to develop a model of utilizing all those factors as a base factors there, but then we can also make adjustments to these based on um, specific service categories like lab, CT, MRI. We can break that down even further if we want to, to the revenue code level. And to take it even further steps down to that CPT, individual CPT codes, if we need individual changes made to those, as well as what the service code within your CDM, we can do individual code adjustments as um, to align with the market um, and, you know, potentially optimize or improve net revenue um, for the hospital. So from that data, we can generate um, reports. I know, audit, you know, Govi mentioned um, the audit trail report, uh, but there's numerous other reports that you can see what is my gross and net impact, uh, as well as market position by service category, by revenue code, by department, by individual payers. You can see that information um, when we do these analysis. Another thing that we're able to provide with the extract is when we do provide it out to hospitals, it also has what's known as a user price override section where a user can go into the exported data, make a change, and they can actually see what the impact is going to be on gross and net revenue by making that change um, within the export itself there. Other things I think about here as well, you know, when we're talking about modeling and everything, we take into consideration, you know, I put it into four different buckets. You have your percent of charge contracts or components of a contract that are percent of charge. You have your items that are line item fee schedules that are at risk from a line item lesser of. You have your case level um, components, which can be at risk for case level lesser of, such as DRGs, case rates, and whatnot. And then there's also stop loss and outlier provision. How is this pricing strategy? impacting those four areas uh, when we're making changes. So one of the things that we do to make sure that, you know, we're not negatively impacting lesser of or stop loss is we run the new prices through 
um, take your claims data, run the new prices through, and identify, you know, how are we impacting case level lesser of? How are we impacting line item lesser of? How are we impacting stop loss and outlier provisions? And how are we impacting those percent of charge components of the contract um, to see what your overall net impact? Is it better than what you would have received doing an across the board increase? And are we aligning to market? I see. Thank you. A lot of considerations there. We touched on this earlier a bit, but um, how does the growing demand for price transparency place increased pressure on hospitals to be transparent about their pricing structures? And what challenges do they face in justifying the costs associated with medical services? Yeah, hospitals are being asked to do a lot, aren't they? Um, you know, especially, you know, not, not, not just this year, uh, previous years too, uh, but but especially this year, um, as, as as many are aware, the starting in July of this year, and believe it or not, it, it, it's 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 going to be here before you know it. That's there's this at least CMS allowed for that grace period. There's substantial substantial new requirements that are that are hitting uh, the machinable files. If you think your machinable file is big right now, it's probably going to double. Uh, in size, so that that puts tremendous amount of pressure on hospitals to comply with these uh, these these new requirements, um, because some of these requirements are really going to change the way hospitals have approached putting together their price transparency files. Gone are the days where you can just rely on claims and payments data. You really need to be leveraging your actual payer contracts. Because CMS is requiring you now to put in the charge methodology, which is really the rate methodology, right? Are you, are you, being, are you getting paid by a case rate per unit, uh, fee schedule, and so forth, uh, right? And then, and then further down the road, in, in January of 2025, there's going to be additional requirements in pharmacy, uh, which can get complicated because uh, you have to interpret data from the formulary and put your, uh, your unit and type of measurement in there. Uh, there's also the estimated allowed amount, which um, I've seen a lot of questions from uh, hospitals in the community about, uh, which requires the combination of claims data, payments data, payer contracts. Um, for instances where you know clients might be getting paid a percent of charge on a DRG, or maybe there's stop loss lesser of provisions where there's not really a standard negotiated rate, um, right? So these things, these are not easy asks. Uh, you can take that and combine it with the the good faith estimates, uh, right, which gives more exposure to your pricing, and are also very difficult to produce that itemized, itemized um, uh, uh, estimate. So enforcement is increasing. We know that uh, CMS is they're reducing the window. Uh, they're going straight to uh, corrective action plans. They're, so they're bypassing the warning letters. And if they identify errors in your file, you no longer have 200 plus days to fix it. You only have 90 days to, to correct it. And if you and if you don't correct it, you can get hit with penalties. Um, and so you have to be able to be ready, uh, be ready to update your files uh, and be able to provide provide contracts or additional data that that CMS may um, may request. The public rights advocate group is out there. Um, uh, and they, you know, again, 
like as I mentioned earlier, you you don't you don't want to be in the in the newspaper. You don't want that public shaming. Now they're they're probably more about uh, making sure that hospitals are displaying their prices versus um, uh, versus pointing out where prices might be too high. Uh, but you know, I'll I'll tell you, there's there's still a lot of variation out there in prices uh, and rates, you know, and, and Brian can tell you too, you can look at, you can look at two hospitals that are right down the street from each other. Uh, they're both about the same bed size, uh, teaching status, not-for-profit. Um, and you look at their machinable files and there's just, there could be a ton of variation in how much they're charging and how much they're being reversed for the same, for the same services or, or same payers. Um, I, I mean, the, the jury's still out on whether or not overall healthcare expenses are going to go down and, you know, who's, who's really benefiting the most? Is it, is it the patient hospital payer? But I do think with this, you know, increased pressure and, and transparency and, you know, hospitals being able to have to justify the prices, what we're going to see is probably some of that variation to not entirely go away. But be more consistent. If 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 hospitals uh, hospitals are benchmarking their their prices, they're going to start to um, get more in line with the market. If payers see that um, other payers are reimbursing more or less, they're going to try to justify uh, to, to to pay less to providers. So it's this game that's going to be played over again. And I think we'll, we'll over time we'll start to see that variation start to go down. Like you said, um, it's a lot of pressure on hospitals right now. We're about at that time. Thank you both so yeah. much for joining me and sharing your expertise. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Grace. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us for our conversation today. If you have any questions about anything you heard, or if you want to continue the conversation, please visit Panacea's website at www.panaceainc.com or reach out to us on social media. Stay tuned for more thought-provoking episodes on First Talk Compliance. Until next time, take care and stay informed.